On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. The year is 2000, and an American civilian mortician on a Korean military base orders his staff to pour over 100 liters of formaldehyde into the morgue's plumbing. The plumbing leads directly into the Han River, the source of Seoul's drinking water. If you think this sounds like the beginning of a horror film, you are not alone. Bong Joon-ho thought so too, and so he started to craft a horror tale as old as time. A monster movie. From this came the 2006 horror film, The Host, a movie so widely popular that upon its release, it was the highest grossing Korean film of all time, and also so universally loved that the monster itself was forever immortalized in a statue in front of the Han River. So don't go throwing or kicking any beer cans. This the Grindhouse Girls Brittany. Ooh, and we can't see each other while we're recording because Skype's being weird. So mm-hmm. we sound weird. That's why. How are you, Brett? I'm okay, Katie. How have you been? I'm good. I'm getting ready for a trip I'll have returned from by the time this episode airs, but haven't gone on yet. And I'm having to take Gizmo seven hours in the car, Oh, which is going to be fun because kennel cough is apparently super awful right now and my vet spent 10 minutes talking me out of boarding him so this is gonna be fun but i'm also sipping some lovely banana milk like the characters in the host Mm. because when i was re-watching it they said banana milk and i said hey i went to our local asian grocery this weekend as i was coming back from something and i was like i have banana milk in the fridge although mine's from taiwan not korea but it's got a lovely banana with cow print in the fruit instead of a banana i do love me some banana milk i love it it's so good it's so good it tastes like runts like the banana runts but in liquid form yeah it's not exactly healthy but it's delicious if you've never tried banana milk i actually you know what they have banana milk in the regular grocery now too but it comes in a big thing so i don't know it's it's good anyways so 
we, since we were like going every other week for the summer, which this should be the last episode where we do that. We might have one more episode where there's a week between episodes, but we're planning on this being the last episode for that as, as uh, we speak right now, unless something happens. But it was nice to have two weeks in between movie episodes so we could have lots of time to research, but... Also, we've had some feedback. Some people are saying that they would like to just listen to a podcast with just the movie information. Others, you know, like the what we're watching thing. So we're going to try out for at least the rest of this season. Right, Brett? Yeah. Doing the what we're watching. So like basically like movie news, what we're watching, that kind of stuff every other week. And doing a full up movie episode every other week. So we're going to kind of split them up and make them their own episodes. If yes. that makes sense. Yes. Which I think will be fun because, like, we could talk about movies we'll never do on the podcast for yeah. just as long as we talk about the movie on the podcast. <laughs> That's true. And even TV series and stuff that TV. we've been watching. A lot of TV. I love TV. It's great. I mean, we're going for, like, a golden age of television right now. So, uh, this I have not watched this yet. And I will just say one of the things I am planning to watch is The Sandman on Netflix, which I, I'm... I've from- heard it's good. Yeah, I'm familiar with the comic books, but I heard this is incredible, so I'm very excited. So yeah, but obviously we can't just like talk about the Sandman for an hour and a half and then dive in talking about a movie right. for two hours. So like, right, and hopefully it'll satisfy everybody. And you know what? Give us feedback because if you love it, awesome. We'll keep it that way. If not, we'll go back to the way things were. But like, I feel like this will be nice. And also, honestly, just talking about. TV shows is kind of like nice and like relaxing and kind of like when we do our lists during Halloween. Yeah. During Spooptober. I feel like that'll be nice and it'll keep us happy and it'll hopefully keep you guys happy too. Yeah. Also, I feel like this is better in lieu of doing short seasons because a lot of podcasts do short seasons and I think this like solves that problem where we don't do short seasons but we can still do a lot of research about every movie we do because just like three days to do research it feels like i feel like it's a little incomplete sometimes sometimes not depends on the movie and depends on how much how deep we can delve into it but yeah so that's the plan yeah guys and gals and non-binary pals so just let us know what your feedback is yeah yeah okay well then so we're not gonna talk about what we're watching this episode we're gonna talk about that next week but get ready because there's some new releases that i know we've both finally seen now so get ready for opinions oh yeah i'm full of them so (laughs) yeah and some of them are opposing opinions so we know y'all love that yeah so (laughs) oh my god okay so i guess we just get to go straight into the background of Bong Joon-ho's The Host. Yeah, which of course we should mention right off the bat is streaming on Pluto TV, Showtime, and you said Hulu Premium, is that right, Katie? Yeah, it might be Showtime through Hulu. Okay. It's a fairly long movie. It's not the longest movie we've ever watched, but it's it's fairly long. I think that might be one of the lesser loved aspects of it for me is that I recommend it to a lot of people. I've made a lot of people watch this movie. I've probably seen it five, six times by now. 
Mm-hmm. But it is kind of long. Every time I start watching with someone, I'm like, I forgot how long this movie is. But it is really good. So, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's long. But it's not like... it's. I feel like it moves faster than, like, The Wailing. I, yeah, well, I feel like The Wailing is a... So what... So this movie is, like, 2 hours, 25 minutes. The Wailing is, what, like, three, 2 hours, 50 minutes? It's, like, almost 3 hours, right? Yeah, this one says 2... Okay, the weird thing is it only says 2 hours on IMDb for the host. Yeah, I think it was 2 hours, 25 minutes on Pluto. And that timer did stop when commercials were on. So I want to say with commercials, it did almost take me 3 hours to watch it. I do feel like, and I know we'll get into pros and cons, but that is a con for me too, is that I I just don't think I really do good with long movies the older I get. Like, it's not that I don't enjoy them, but I almost have to break them up sometimes, depending on the length of them. I did, yeah. this, I did this with the Batman too. And I feel like if it gets to a certain length, I just don't understand why they don't make it into like a limited series. But obviously, when this movie came out, limited series weren't really the thing that they are now. And incidentally, yeah. I think this would have been an incredible limited series if they had decided to do that. Yeah, well, I don't think they really had that option in 2006. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe they did, but I feel like, I don't know if Bong Joon-ho had that option in 2006. Because he had made memories of murder yeah. and barking dogs, dogs never, never bite. bite. But I believe this was his... I want to say yeah, third film. Yeah, it is his third film. You're right. I was reading yes. a few different interviews because I think it was like, I think Barking Dogs was 2000. Then I think Memories of Murder was 2002 or three, And then this one was 2006. So, yeah. But by the way, it's only 119 minutes on Showtime. So it's less than two hours. Interesting. Okay, maybe they are factoring in commercials and maybe the timer just didn't work that's weird i was like i was like i feel like it's not but um and the wailing is like i think three hours yeah three and a half hours i think it's at least three hours it's a long movie for sure and the thing is the payoff at the end is super cool for the wailing and i really really like the um the the exorcism sequences Mm -hmm. are super cool but like getting there is like so much yeah. And, like, that one I had to break up a lot. But, yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to go into the background of this movie or if you wanted me to go a little bit into the background of this movie. Um, I'm not... I mean, I think everybody knows how much we love Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. So, this is the third movie we've done on the podcast. Yeah. And his third movie he ever, he made. Yeah. Weirdly. Dun-dun-dun. And so, we mentioned Barking Dogs Never Bite, which I still want to watch. Honestly, but I know what the subject matter is about, and I'm, I just need to actually watch it and see where it takes it. But I've seen a couple of scenes from it. It is pretty funny. But then also there's Snowpiercer, the movie, and Snowpiercer, the television series, which he is, I think, writing and producing. Mother, which is one that we've almost done on the podcast before. And that one has, I've always been told it's more of a Memories of Murder vibe than Parasite, but kind <laughs> of in between. Okja and y'all know about Parasite, you know. Oh, you know, just the first foreign language film to ever win Best Picture at the Oscars, you know. Yeah, but. just just as one does. And, you of know. course, he's working on his next movie, which is the untitled Mickey 7 film, which is based off the Mickey 7 novel. Yes, which has a amazing cast so far. Yeah, uh, first off, Queen Toni Collette is going to be in it. We love her. We do. And Katie was mentioning earlier Stephen Young and Rob Pat. Stephen Young! Yep, and Mark Ruffalo and Naomi Ackle, too. So we've got a lot of people. He does He does usually repeat casting. Um, he's worked with Steven Yeun before. Um, I don't think Tony Collette or Rob 
Pat yet, but he does frequently cast Song Kang Ho, Byun Hee Bong, Kim Roya, Roy Ha, sorry, I said Roya, and Tilda Swinton has been cast by him twice in very interesting characters. And he often has like a bumbling father character as a central character. Yeah. Usually the women are smarter than the men in these movies. Which I too, I, I appreciate because it's like the it's also like even in this movie the girls are definitely the overachievers in the family. Yeah. And I do like that. I like that aspect a lot. Also, he said this in an interview and I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. He's like, you know, when you have a superhero type character, it's not really as interesting to watch them scramble for something chaotic as it is a ordinary person or a dysfunctional person so you have these very ordinary people in these extraordinary situations and that i think is part of the joy of his films Mm -hmm. i think that's something like old boy kind of does that too with and that's why it's interesting to watch like all the fight sequences because it's like this guy isn't like a trained assassin he taught himself some martial arts while he was in isolation and like he's trying to fight through it whereas like i feel like we have a lot of movies in america where it's like mission impossible where he just can do everything it's like i like to see someone struggle yet succeed yeah like i like i like to see the struggle that's what makes it interesting it's not fun to just watch someone who's perfect succeed but anyways yeah but this, like a lot of Korean cinema, is definitely genre-bending. It's a monster movie is the blanket term I would give it, but there's a lot of slapstick, and there's a lot of really touching moments, too. Yeah, and like most monster movies, it has this element, and one of my favorite things is that, like, most people know this, but in case you don't, so the original Godzilla films were a metaphor for the atomic bomb, and mm-hmm. so that was, like, you know, that was what gave rise to Godzilla, was, like, the underlying fear and panic and the fallout of what the Japanese people went through. And so with this well, and also, he's being created by, I think, the... The insinuation is by nuclear mm-hmm. exposure. Yeah. Is the reason Godzilla is happening. Which, if you lived in Japan after the bomb was dropped, it would be horrifying to you too. It's horrific. It is horrific. And I'm already thinking we're coming up on the anniversary of it on August 12th and August 15th. Oh, is it in August? Yeah. Oh. Which is something I've always I've always thought about, Fat Man and Little Boy. And it's, I don't know, I... I, I, I know we don't get too political here, and I know that people are always, there's this argument about things being necessary evil in war, but I just think it's horrific, mm. and I hope we, I, I think one atomic bomb being made was one too many. Okay, but all this to say is very much like it, some of its monster successors, Godzilla, this movie came about from an event, and so there was an American civilian mortician, his name was Albert McFarlane, and he basically told his crew to dot to pour 120 liters of formaldehyde into the morph's plumbing. Mm-hmm. And so yep. my understanding is that it went for two filters, but it still went to the main source of a lot of drinking water for the city. So naturally, yeah. they were not only very pissed off, but it kind of started like an anti-American feeling throughout korea and a lot of people say say this movie is anti-american i personally don't feel like that that it's that way but i i understand where that sentiment came from understanding this is a true event i don't think it's anti-american so much as anti-american control over a foreign nation because yes the korean war happened and you know russia had north korea we had south korea 
and we've stayed there for a very long time. But at some point, you have to let go and let that country be itself. Same thing with Japan after World War II. Like, eventually, you have to let cultures figure themselves out. And I feel like in 2000, what, half a century after the Korean War started? Like, I think it's time to let go of America a little bit. Like, yeah. let South Korea deal with its own shit, you know, and have its own culture. And don't... And it's that whole, like, it's that Western ideal of, like, we know better than you do. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, do you, though? If not I'm not mistaken, too, he basically, like, ran because, of course, they were out yes. They were out for his blood. They were pissed, understandably so. And he ran, and I think he got, like, a slap on the wrist, right? And well, never served so prison time? the Korean government, South Korean government, obviously, attempted to prosecute him in absentia. But then the U.S. military didn't want to hand him over, so they still convicted him in absentia. But in 2005... He was finally found guilty in a court where he was actually present, but he never served a prison sentence. Yeah. The good news is, according to IMDb, there has never been a sighting of a creature in the Han River. Oh, right. But who knows? <laughs> who knows well, what the future holds? That's good. There's never been a sighting yet. That's exactly what it says. Oh, it's my like, God. Dot, 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 yet. I was like, love that. Well, but yeah. Uh, but I think this is more anti-Western interference than America because, like, you know, if... If they ask us for help, it's one thing. If we ask them for help, it's one thing. If we just insist on helping you, it's a totally different thing. Yes. And I feel like with that, I think we may have gone over a lot of, like, the kind of conceptual history and background. But yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to get into synopsis. So, synopsis. So we're going to do synopsis now, and then we're going to get into spoilers. So, you have been warned. When a mysterious creature takes his daughter hostage, a bumbling father and his loving but dysfunctional family defy all odds and government regulations to find her. I am so sorry. We forgot to mention, I did want to mention real quick, that he did have two co-writers on the script. Oh, yes, yes. And I feel bad. Ha Wong Jun and Bak Chul Un were both uh, co-writers for the script. And Ha Wong Jun directed Fast... Fist and Furious in Stray Dogs, and Buck Chul Hong was the screenwriter for 16 episodes of the 2021 TV series Undercover. So I did just want to give them a shout out. Shout so out! So we didn't forget him. Okay, Woo. so with that, we are ready to go into our plot. So this is your spoiler warning. Do not pass go. Do not collect $1,000. Don't throw a beer can in the Han River. It is time to talk about the plot. So get out of here if you haven't watched the movie already. Go watch it on Showtime or Pluto right now. It's worth it. Okay. So, we ready? Ready. Ready, Freddy. Um, there's no one named Freddy that I know of in this movie. But anyways, I've I started labeling the parts of this plot because I feel like that's been helping me. Okay, so the first chapter is a grave mistake. So, in a South Korean lab, we see an American military pathologist played by someone very familiar. Yes, and I love this man. So, uh... Bear with me. So he is played by Scott Wilson. Yeah. And of course, we mainly know Scott Wilson, the late great Scott Wilson, because he did pass. Uh, we know him as Herschel Green on The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also in CSI Crime Scene Investigation, DOA, In the Heat of the Night, uh, 1967's In Cold Blood, and the 1974 The Great Gatsby, as well as Behind the Mask, The Rise of yes, Leslie Vernon. The most important one. He's the yes. serial killer. 
teaching Leslie how to be a serial killer if you haven't watched that movie in a little while. He's great in that. Yeah. He had a fantastic career, and I love that he has a little cameo in here. Also, like, I feel like Bong Joon-ho only gets quality actors outside of Korea. I mean, obviously he gets quality Korean actors, but it's, like, actors that have been working for years and have done a ton of stuff, but maybe aren't, like, star power yet, but they're, like, solid, like supporting characters because he has a couple American actors in this movie and they're like they play a lot of like really important supporting roles and I just love seeing them in his movies because I'm like you know he's an actor's director you know that because people love working with him anyways um but yes so we see him and his Korean assistant um working in a lab and he orders his assistant to pour 200 bottles of formaldehyde down the drain despite the assistant pointing out to him that the drain empties directly into the Han River and that would be a very bad idea but he makes him and over the years we see several instances of people seeing something weird in the water including a man who sadly jumps off the bridge and I think gives our future monster a taste of human flesh for the first time which I think that's what that's supposed to symbolize I believe um, as yeah. I watched the movie before, like, the fifth time, I was like, oh, so we probably wouldn't eat people if that hadn't happened. It's, that's a very sad scene. But there's also guys, like, fishing, and they're just like, oh, I feel something grazing my leg. The next section I call Disfun Chewol Family, because I really like this family, even though they're a little dysfunctional. But in 2006, so present day to when this movie was released, we find some members of the Park family at their family business, which is a riverside food stand run by the grandfather i think it's haibong yeah so that's uh so is it park Hibong or park haibong so the actor's name is beyond Hibong with two e's mm-hmm. but the character's name is haibong yeah with an i so i think maybe maybe it's one of those i know who's gonna play this role so i'm gonna make the character very similar to their first name kind of thing yeah because they do have the same the actor and the character do have the same first name it's just the last name that's different i don't know we'll call him the actor's name yeah because that sounds because we know that that's his name hebong so beyond hebong is the actor's name and we're gonna call the grandfather hebong i might say haibong because i think i wrote it haibong throughout the whole thing but he's the patriarch of the family yes and he was, uh, he was in a few Bong, uh, Bong Joon home films, including Memories of Murder, mm-hmm. Barking Dogs Never Bite, and Okja. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also appeared in other movies such as The Devil's Game, Hunters, and In Love and War. And so, lots but, of TV shows. Yeah. And I did want to point out, it's really cute the second time I watched this, that we see a little boy attempt to steal from the food stand before an older boy stops him from doing so. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's cute the second time around. That's cute. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, like, cute, like, random stuff in this movie. Yeah. And then we also have his lazy, su- lazy-ish son, kind of absent-minded son. I don't know if he's lazy so much as absent-minded, but perpetually tired. Gang Du, which is the, I believe, oldest son of the family. Yeah. Who's played by Song Kang-ho, of course. Yes, who, of course, is a frequent Bong Joon-ho collaborator. He starred in Parasite, obviously Snowpiercer, Memories of Murder. He's also, like, a multi-award winning actor. He was in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, mm-hmm. Thirst, which we've done on the podcast, A Taxi Driver, and most recently, recently Broker, which, he, of course, he won the Best Actor award for cons 2022 so maybe he'll finally get nominated for best actor yeah like he probably should have been nominated for parasite like the whole cast should have been but you know but anyways i love this because song kang ho has played a bumbling father in a couple movies but i love like how because this is 
2006. He's got, like, the bleach blonde hair that his roots are showing and stuff. And it's, like, yeah. he didn't really get a toner, so it's very yellow. I love that. It's great. So, like, it's very distinct and visual, and you're like, yeah... He looks kind of irresponsible, I would say. But not very irresponsible is his young daughter, Hyun Su, who uh, seems to be pretty studious and a pretty smart cookie herself, even though her dad's kind of, I don't want to say an embarrassment. He's just kind of like, yeah, he's just like the person who's two steps behind everybody else. Not stupid, but like just doesn't like kind of like floats through life if that makes sense and i think i think it does give a little bit of a reason in the in the middle half of the movie which i do like a lot that it like it makes a lot of sense but yeah so but his daughter is played by go ah sung uh she was in snow piercer so another reoccurring Mm -hmm. bong joon ho actor of resistance she was in 16 episodes of a tv series life on mars as well as 16 episodes of radiant office and 30 episodes of her through the grapevine. So she seems to become a well-known TV actress at this point. And uh, since this movie came out in 2006, she's actually Taylor's age now. So Tight. <laughs> yeah, Tight. she's a grown woman. So <laughs> I mean, we were in high school when this movie came out. So yeah, right. Yes, yep. yes. So mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. So they are Gangdu and Hyunso are watching her aunt, his sister Namju, on a television on television on a television, on their television, competing in a national archery competition. Yeah, and I want to make sure, I feel bad that I may be mispronouncing her name, but Bay Duona? Bay Duona? Is that seem right? You know, I want to say Duna, but... I thought so, too, initially. I was like, maybe it is Bay Duna. Please correct us if you speak Korean and we're mispronouncing yeah. this. Because I want to say Bay Duna. Yeah, and my initial thought was Bay Duna, actually. I thought it was interesting because other than a Song King Ho, she's the only one in the cast I instantly recognized because I'm like, that's Sami 451 because I love Cloud Atlas. And uh, she was Sami 451 in Cloud Atlas, which I think, like... She's one of those actresses. She has been on a lot of English productions, mm-hmm. too. Or, but she was also in Barking Dogs Never Bite, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I've never seen this movie. I heard a mix of terrible, amazing things, Jupiter Ascending. Uh, she was also a next Sohee broker. So she was with uh, Song Kane Ho and Broker recently. And she's going to be in the ne- upcoming Netflix film Rebel Moon. And mm-hmm. she did have a very big starring role in Since 8. And Kingdom. And yeah, and she's still, I was about to say, Kingdom is a South Korean TV series. I've never seen it, but she's still on Kingdom. Yeah, but it's so. on Netflix. Okay, I didn't know Kingdom yes, was on Netflix. It's like a okay. zombie series. Anyways, but yes, yeah, so Namju, played by Bay Duna or Duona. Or do Una. I don't, please correct us if I'm wrong. I should have looked. I, I didn't think this would be the hardest name, but now that I think about it, I'm second guessing everything i'm assuming about pronouncing her name she fails to gain the gold even though she does hit her target but she just can't release the arrow in time it's like she just she's too nervous about it and she holds on to it too long and so she loses points and she has to settle for the bronze not present is their college educated political activist uncle who also struggles with alcoholism called nam ill played by uh, park Hey Il, Hey Il, and so he was in Memories of Murder, so many Rules of Dating, of Murders, yes, Rules of Dating, Paradise Murdered, Moss, War of the Arrows, and Amuse. And I guess oh. Amuse was the one he got the most critical acclaim for. My next section 
I called it Picnic Panic because this is where the, like things get down and dirty real fast. Yeah. Real fast, which you've probably seen this scene because a lot of people are like, best monster movie scenes ever. And it's this one. And it is really cool because this was kind of early CGI. And I will say, I feel like the CGI hasn't aged the best, but it also still holds up pretty well today, I would say. Like, it's not the best. It's not Jurassic Park 93, where you're like, that looks real because it was a real animatronic uh, with some light cgi it's like it's like fully cgi so yeah it's it's a little smooth to be real if that makes sense and it does and i do want to point out that the monster was created by the san francisco-based special effects company the orphanage who Uh at the time were known for hellboy 2004 obviously in sin city uh, 2005, and um, yeah, now the big thing I will say, Bong Joon-ho did say he was very adamant about choreographing the monsters, so even though the CGI doesn't hold up, the movements and yes. how it choreographs in the scene is really great. Like, like you can almost not believe that there wasn't something on set because of how well it's choreographed, because it does look real, it just doesn't hold up up nowadays also they called the creature steve buscemi because god bless it it moved like his character in fargo so steve buscemi we're gonna call him steve so yeah gangdu is like serving customers so so this is like on the riverfront so i don't know if y'all have lived in cities with a riverfront my parents are from cincinnati there's a huge riverfront park because it's a riverside city it's like right on the ohio river and they've got like big steps that go down to the riverfront and it's like really pretty this is like that kind of thing there's all these steps and people like go picnic there so there are all these people picnicking gangdu is bringing some food to customers and here's a commotion and uh he sees a scene of pure chaos which a large amphibious creature just goes godzilla all over the place and yeah. it eats several victims whole and gang dude tries to assist a, it's really funny there's an american guy whose girlfriend is korean and he's like i'm i gotta go i gotta go help I, we gotta and go she's fight like, donald, and she's donald, like donald, no. no and then yeah donald i think it's, yeah, i think you're right his name yeah. is donald donald don't stupid name anyways uh, sorry to any donalds it was just in the context of the film it was pretty funny and then like she kind of like makes gang to help donald and like he doesn't want to help he's like i don't want to help i want to get the fuck out of here but he does he does try to help but he doesn't really know what he's doing and uh donald gets eaten which is sad and it's oh donald is pinned so we do see him pinned and the only reason i remember him not getting fully eaten is because it comes back later oh yeah 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 yeah. but he is pinned and gangu does uh take the sign and wax the creature's tail with it so he injures the tail and i think that's when the blood from the creature splats oh yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. so completely unaware of the chaos hyunso after her aunt loses on, oh, gets the bronze and not the gold on television, uh, she come, wanders outside and like, because everyone's been running away from the monster, it's pretty much nobody's there. So she's just like kicking a beer can or something. And mm-hmm. um, because her dad gave her cold beer while they were watching her aunt play, which was kind of cute. Uh, although she was like, mm, I don't know if I like this, but she drinks it anyways. And uh, Gangdu sees her and grabs her by the hand, but in the commotion they trip and he grabs what he thinks is her hand, but after he's very far away, he realizes that it's another child and not Hyunso. And by the time mm. he figures it out, it is 
a really great scene of like slow motion where he turns around and he sees her slowly getting up and the monster's just gaining on her and it just whips her away with its tail and takes her across the riverside and he sees he tries to swim across but he sees the creature swallow her whole so he assumes she's passed away and the police and emergency crews come by and make everyone go to like a gym which that's i wonder if something like this happened not the creature thing but something some kind of disaster happened when bong joon ho was a kid because this happens in parasite too where like everyone ends up in a gym at some point and i was like what happened in your childhood, Bong Joon-ho? It could be, like, their tornado shelters um, in their cities. Like, I guess how we yeah. have, like, shelters here. Maybe that's where they all gather when there's a crisis is the gym. Yeah. But I will say, this is very efficient. They've already set up memorials for everybody. Yeah, with pictures. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is, you guys are really, really organized in this city. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this is one of the, this government cover-up, and grief scene is one of my favorites because like yes it starts out really like like you're like sad everyone's crying and namju comes with her you know uh bronze medal and she lays it in front of hyunsu's picture and then the brother shows up nam il and he's very like drunk obviously and depressed and then he starts blaming gangs do for grabbing the wrong kid and so what starts out as them all grieving together they all start fighting and then they like fall over (laughs) and it's so dysfunctional and i love it so much i love this scene because also like they're all on the ground and there's a point like nam il is screaming at gongdu and then he just fucking drop kicks him in the face like it comes out of nowhere and it turns out that was completely improvised (laughs) which i'm amazed that like song king ho didn't break character because that shit looked like it hurt but like, well they probably I, talked I, I about dis- it beforehand like oh like i started laughing hysterically i was like <laughs> it came out of nowhere so oh my god yeah. so funny and this is where we get the government conspiracy cover-up thing because like very subtly over the news they're like oh well and i guess it's donald right is this yeah. soldier who the monster pinned his arm and they're saying he has this like really bad virus um and so they want to quarantine anybody who's been exposed and because gang do is gang do he when they ask has anyone been exposed he's like yeah i mean no it didn't touch me but it spit its blood all over my face Mm -hmm. and you're like oh oh no oh no so then they start spraying disinfectant and like getting everyone out and they take him to a medical facility and like you know at first he's kind of okay with it everyone goes to sleep gangju has his cell phone uh sitting on his bedside table and he opens up a can of canned squid as he's eating the canned squid he's also scratching his back so they do a really good thing with the camera where they're focusing on his back because you think that he's gonna like have some horrible disease or something you're like oh no he's gonna get sick but instead it's a switcheroo because his phone rings off camera and he's like oh he picks up the phone and it's hunsu and she's like can you hear me my battery's dying i'm in the sewer i can't get out yeah and the battery dies and uh so we know that now she's stuck in the sewer and it's a weird thing because it's like a sewer under a bridge so like there's a deep i don't know what would you call it a deep pocket yeah where i guess so water could 
be in there if it needed to be, that it has its layer, and that it has a drainage pipe that she's able to hide from the monster in. And, like, in his little lair, Steve, the monster, has uh, collected a pile of bodies. Yeah. Which is terrifying. So that's what I also like it, because at one point, uh, Gendu is saying, like, his back is itchy, and you're just like, oh, he has something. It's like, but it's like, no, you, you, have, you don't really wash your ass. Like, he doesn't say it exactly <laughs> like that, but he basically says it like that. So it does do a really good, like, back and forth. Like, could he have something? Does he have something? Yeah. But back at the DC center, Gendu tries to explain to a worker that his daughter's still alive. Mm-hmm. And then Grandpa, like, hey, Bong is trying to bribe the officer who continues to argue with the family and so the doctor tries to explain like he he takes the worker aside and he's like look he's not a bad man he's just in shock and so but Namjoon being an aunt and kind of you know I think having more of that womanly instinct she's like wait if she's in the sewers how long has it been since she's eaten yeah and so that kind of drives the point like oh we can't fuck around anymore we need to go get right. our girl so they decide to escape and this is another really great slapstick oh, comedic so good. The sequence so funny in this too yeah and they're going down the hall and they're noticed because of Gangdu's blonde hair because he <laughs> sticks out like a sore thumb Dumbass. and so they like run out they get in the elevator all the men get in the car and they look around and they're just like oh shit we left Namjoon and she's like walking with the rolls of cards like what the fuck and he's like how could you leave your only sister it's so and funny. it's just it's hilarious because it just makes you feel like, how are these people going to pull saving this little girl off? They put the like... fun and dysfunctional and not dysfunctional, like guilt tripping your children and repressing them. But like, just like they just can't function fully because they're just all bumbling and not, they're not stupid. It's just they're normal people. Like, how would you feel if you got put in this situation and the police wouldn't listen to you and you were like, I have to save my kid. Yeah. But it's hilarious. It- it is. And I feel so bad for Hebong because the guys that get the family out, they're like, well, you know, they add up. They're like, we had to, like, escape from an officer and there was this and this. And yeah, you owe us 11000 And so, meanwhile, the, the kids are in the car and they're watching as they're all being wanted. Like, they're like, yeah. hey, there's, like, a bounty on them because they're being told, the public is being told they're all carriers of this virus. Mm-hmm. So, Hebong gets the the men all of his credit cards and so all of his credit cards and he's given a disinfected truck two suits and a map of the sewer yep and so they're going to um it's like a scene straight out of return of the jedi because they show up as a cleaning crew and like it's the whole like it's an old code but it clearly is if y'all have seen return of the jedi you know what i'm talking about but they do end up bribing the manager with Gangtu's quarters that he and Kyunsu have been saving, which made me kind of sad. Yeah. Or at least I assume they're quarters. They look like quarters, but they might have a different worth in Korea. Yeah. And I think she says at one point he shows her it and she's like, these are all dimes. And he's like, and there's some quarters in there. Or yeah. at least that's how like they translate it. Yeah. So yeah. that And then the $11,000 is dollars translated. So I'm sure it's a different form of money in korea so it's so i don't know i've only seen it with subtitles so yeah me too so that's where i'm like i i don't speak korean unfortunately it's like ramdon in parasite ramdon isn't really the name of that dish in korea 
but it was the closest thing they could think of to translate it to American English. But they do search the sewers for her. And, um, of course, using the map. And it's really sad because Gangdu, at this point, he's afraid he's infected. So he runs behind the truck <laughs> hoping to disinfect himself. God bless. And so they end up getting to the <laughs> sewers at one point, And they think there's, a cr- there's the creature. Mm-hmm. But it turns out to be just a dark spot of water. So they fire their guns. <laughs> and little do they know that there's two orphan boys. Boys, and it's actually the boys from the beginning of the movie, the little one that almost steals from the food shack. Yeah. They're hiding. And so they set out to, uh, they're like, oh my God, like, you know, the shot scared me. And the little boys like peed on himself a little bit because the noise scared him. Yeah. But they're setting out to rob a food stand. And of course, you know who food stand they rob because we all bring it full circle. Yeah. And uh, the older boy reminds him that COE, I think, is what they're, what they're doing. So I guess my understanding from reading it is that like stealing food is not really theft in Korea it's like a no no like if a kid gets caught they get scolded for stealing food but it's not quite the same as like if you stole like cash or um something like a cell phone so um and they're like you know this is what we got to do to eat but they leave so they get their food they leave but they run into the creature after leaving and it chases them and it does this a few times in the movie where you don't see the creature necessarily eat the person is chasing but it leaves it ambiguous as to what happens to them in the moment. I will take a moment real quick to say the the boys are Lee Jae-un as Se-jin. Uh, he's the older boy. He was in Memories of Murder. Everybody's in Memories of Murder. Yes. Dance with Solitude, Parallel Life, and 18 Noir, and seven episodes of the TV series Love Alarm. The younger boy is Lee Dong-ho as Seju. And so his other two credits were Boys of Tomorrow and With the Girl of Black Soil. Incidentally, I guess they call Lee Dong Little King because everyone on set just set out to like make him happy and impress him, is my understanding. Oh, but that's kind of cute. Yeah, so he must have really good memories of filming this movie. Must have. Ah, oh, stealing for fun. Korean seasonal customs. Stealing for fun? Oh. This is from folkensea.nfm.go.kr, Encyclopedia of Korean Folk Culture. Because apparently there's a Korean pop singer named Sori, too. Oh. So I was like... Okay, I get that her name is Sori, but I need to know about this. Okay, here's from this website. Historically, youngsters would steal fruits, vegetables, or crops to appease their hunger. Considered a tolerable action in the past, as long as their actions did not cause the farmers seriously fi- serious financial damage, this activity is currently regarded as a crime. So I guess you can't do it anymore. Uh. But referred to as Sori, some of them have it in two words this one has it as one word this mischievous act was conducted in the summer oh as an adventure to get both food and thrills the main targets were crops vegetables and fruits such as wheat barley beans potatoes okay and a ton of things it led to the tradition of building a lookout in a melon or watermelon field as an effort to protect crops from the young looters that is so interesting weird i'm gonna take a screenshot of this so i don't forget to put this on our research on website interesting so yeah unfortunately the boys are taken by the creature much like hyun su was after they eat some purloined robin i mean ramen robin oh my god purloined ramen at the park's food stand and then the parks return to the store shortly after and eat dinner and it's like the weirdest little scene it's cute 
because they're eating and then they just kind of all imagine that Hyun Su's with them. Yeah, and I did I did read, um, and this is a slight spoiler for what to come, but I did read that very specifically Bong Joon Ho wanted a sense of unity with the family one more time as a whole family unit. Yeah. Which is really sweet because it's like they are showering her with the affection. So all the members keep reaching across to feed her. Mm-hmm on the table which is so sweet but yeah the first time it feels very out of place when you first watch a movie yeah i was like is she back the first time i watched Mm -hmm. it i was like is she okay then where it happened and i was like oh no she's still dirty in the in the sewer um which brings us to hyunsu the survivor which is my next chapter in the creature's lair hyunsu survives by drinking rain rain water and hiding in that pipe that's too small for the creature um and it returns to the siblings but unfortunately only the youngest sibling is still alive which is really sad yeah but hyunsu finds him and brings him back to her hiding place and then we get this little treatise on a parent's heart by Hibong, who is talking about how he's kind of scolding Nam Il and Nam Ju because they always make fun of Gangju and they've been blaming him for grabbing the wrong child's hand. And um, he's like, well, he was very smart when he was very, very young. But as he got older and their mom passed away, Hibong I guess because he was grief-stricken, kind of went out all night, and Gangdu would do sorry to steal for the family, but when he was caught, he'd be beaten up really badly. And I guess yeah. he never... So I guess, like, he kind of didn't really get to have a childhood and develop like his siblings did, which is one reason. Also, they do mention that Hyunsu's mom left, like, right after she was born. So he does take responsibility for his daughter. So he's not a complete, like, dirtbag yeah. dad. He's just kind of always tired. And <laughs> it's interesting. I love what he, he says des- next. But yes, keep going because it's cute. I was about to say, he describes him as a rooster that lacked protein. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting. And even at the beginning of this movie, so everyone knows I have a 12-year-old nephew. And his Senke Ho's facial expressions are very much like a saturated, like almost like a child's is. Like my nephew, yeah. like this whole movie, he was right, reminding me of my 12-year-old nephew. And I thought that was like a brilliant little thing to just show that like maybe he was emotionally stunted yeah, well, because of his childhood. And he also yeah. interacts with his daughter like a friend and not like a parent. Yeah. So he does seem very emotionally stunted, which I know you want to be the cool parent. But, like, your kid needs a parent, too. Yeah, he gives her a beer because he's like, you're in middle school now. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, okay. Um, But he doesn't do anything, like, nefarious, either. Mm -mm. Like, he's not like, but he just, like, I feel like, yeah, you, you skipped some maturing levels. Like, you skipped ahead too fast. It's like people that skip too many grades, and they're, like, educationally in the right spot, but maturity level... Definitely not. Yeah. But he also says that Gangdu's heart is broken and you can hear the sound of a parent's heart breaking so loudly that it can be heard from miles around. So stop blaming him. And then he talks about how he can tell how Gangdu's doing by the smells of his farts. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just so funny. It's just kind of a ramble. And then Gangdu wakes up and points out that the creature's watching them from the picnic area. So Hebong tries to shoot it. And I think he does hit it, kind of, but it only angers it, and it knocks over the food stand before being shot in the mouth by Hebong again. Now Nam Il begins to pursue it, and they chase it into the sewer um, under the bridge, but they miss. They're all trying to shoot, 
And unfortunately, the sound of gunfire brings the authorities that they've been trying to elude the whole time. Um, so they start to flee, but, oh, this part's so sad. So, Hibong tells them all to go ahead. He's got one of the guns. He thinks he still has bullets. And the creature is lunging at him, and he takes the shot, but his rifle is empty. Yeah. And the creature is just pissed at him. Like, so instead of eating him, he just smashes him across the cement walkway and you just see all this blood it's not like gross but it's like it's kind of like when spoilers for parasite if you haven't seen parasite already a certain person gets hit over the head with a certain rock yeah and there's just blood everywhere it's kind of like that and it's really sad because like they're all just because hewong is just like it's kind of games of thrones because like he just had this beautiful like monologue it's like ah now he's dead but like he's been the glue holding the family together and these kids are very like I wouldn't say wayward, like, they're not, like, criminals, but, like, they're drifting. Yeah. They're adrift. Even though, like, Nam-il is college-educated and he has political activism aspirations and Nam-ju is a really talented archer and Gang-du has a daughter he loves, they're all still wandering. They're all still adrift because they're not focused yet because nothing has really been able to help them work together. I guess, and, like, take that extra step to be a fully-fledged adult. Which, who wants to adult? But, like, desperate times, you know? And so the police do catch up to the parks, and gang is taken back to the medical facility, but Nam-il and nam are able to flee. And so now they're wanted, and there's posters all over the city, and the Korean newscasters explain that was it Douglas or Donald? Donald, right? Uh, Sar- yeah, Sergeant Donald dies. Donald so. passes away. And the U.S. and Korean governments are planning on releasing Agent Yellow, which is like Agent mm, Orange, yep. on the creature. And at a <laughs> there's this great little interlude where this, they're at a bus stop and this man starts coughing. This reminds me of like when COVID, COVID yeah. And he coughs mm-hmm. into the water and spits into the water. And then like a car comes and splashes everybody and they all go, ah! It's very funny. Now, Nam Il is actually able to track down Hyun Su's cell phone with the help of some of his friends that work in a telecom office. But it turns out that they are trying to get the bounty on his head. And so he has to make an escape. And on the way, he hits his head really hard, even though he's able to get away. And as he's like passing, not passing away, but passing out, he is able to text Namju that she is at the Wiuso Bridge. I, I know it begins down? with a W. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonhyo. Wonhyo. W-O-N-H-Y-O bridge. So she's located on the north side of it. There's a sewer there. Um, so he is able to at least find her and tell Namju. But unfortunately, while Namju continues to relentlessly search for Hyunsu in the sewer, and she gets the message, which is great, she calls Gangju as she arrives and tell him where where the sewer is where she's located but she's interrupted because the creature starts charging at her and because she can't release that arrow in time it knocks her unconscious before she can release the arrow and knocks her kind of like into a crevice but almost nothing compared to what poor gangdu's going through yeah and he's being poked and prodded and he tries to tell the doctors what hansio is but no one listens to him. And so an American doctor comes in to talk to Gangdu and uh, Mr. Guy. Yeah, his I did write down his name oh, too. Paul Lazar. Paul Lazar, yeah. And he's been in a lot of stuff, but I yes. think he was like guest roles or cameo cameos oh. in a lot of stuff. Well he was in Snowpiercer, The Silence of the Lambs, and the Manchurian Candidate. 
That's yeah. a lot of movies. That's some big it is. movies. I think I remember. I think he's the guy talking to Clarice in the beginning of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Because he has a very specific look. But Mr. Is it... Crap. I'm so sorry. Mr. Park translates mm-hmm. what Gang Du is saying to the American doctor. And he's like, nobody fucking listens to me. And so the American yeah. doctor is like, oh... He's hysterical, and it's probably because yeah. the virus is located in his brain. Like, he's right. like, he's, uh, and he's like, particularly, I think it's in the frontal level, front, frontal lobe. Yeah. And of course, anybody who knows anything about like this knows that that's where they used to do lobotomies. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really fucked up. And I actually got very upset at this part in the film because I was like, okay, I can deal with bad things happening, but if this fucking man gets a lobotomy, I want to be pissed i'm gonna be irate and also the american doctor starts talking to his korean associate in english thinking gangdu mm-hmm. doesn't understand english again underestimating the man and yeah. he's like oh did you not know about this when they did the autopsy on donald he didn't have any signs of the virus neither yeah. did any of the other people we tested so it has to be in the brain but he's also like basically like wink wink nudge nudge there's no virus and it's also interesting because they give him anesthesia so he can pass all they take tissue samples of gang do and he will not pass out and is feeling everything so i'm like is it because he wants to stay awake to save his kid or is it just like a weird thing about him i don't know i don't know what the point of that was yeah it was interesting but they are going to give him some kind of brain operation i don't think they actually gave him a lobotomy because of where the incision was because it was on the side and they used to do that through the nose yeah and i thought they did like an ice like it's not ice pick but i thought they did an ice pick for like the eye like not the eyeball but the they- corner they did do eye? that too. Yeah. But it was to the side and not the front front, which is where usually they are, I think. And I could be crazy. But it's like, it's too far over, I think, to be a true lobotomy. However, they did remove part of his frontal lobe. Yeah. And it's so sad because we don't see the direct surgery. But right before they stick they stick the thing to his scalp, he calls out for his dad in Hansio. Yeah. So that's like, like a child would. He cries out, Daddy. That's yes. like the last thing we hear him say. Yes, and back in the creature's lair, Hyun Su is trying to get an escape plan together. And while the creature is out, she's talking to Siju or Seju about her family's food stand as she ties together all the clothing of the dead victims because she's trying to make a rope. And mm-hmm. um, he asks her like about the various snacks. He's like banana milk, yes, ramen, yes, eggs, and she's like and cold beer. Because obviously she liked that beer. I think also, I think that was also a very touching moment. Is that maybe, maybe we think that she thinks of her dad as incompetent. But really she's associating that sweet memory with her dad. Oh yeah. Like it's like a very sweet, she actually does love her dad. And does want to be reunited with him. It's cute. Unfortunately though, they can't quite get the rope up before the creature returns. To just kind of vomit the bones of all the victims. Yeah. And then eat Seiju's brother's body, um, which is really sad. But they hide, and they think they're safe, but then the creature finds their hiding spot and scares them. But right now he's unable to get them. Steve does not get them at this point. And at the facility, I love this, because it's like, did the brain surgery do something for Gangju? Yeah. Or was his dad passing away something in like the little fire under his ass? Because at the facility, he kind of feigns that he's like in a trance 
yeah. when this nurse is taking a blood sample of him. Um, but he quickly, when she's like, hey, are you okay? He grabs the blood vial and, like, uses it to, like, blackmail her to let him get out of the military, the the hospital, makeshift hospital on the beach. And he's like, I'm gonna, I need an ambulance. I'm gonna go to the bridge. And he makes an escape in an ambulance towards the bridge. And, because he knows where she is. And as he's about to get there, Nam-il wakes up and um, he asks this guy, this unhoused man who lives in a tent, um, who let him sleep on his cot? On his blanket or mat or something overnight, if he can use some of his soju bottles to make Molotov cocktails. And he whacks him over the head with one of them, but then he's like, sure, why not? I'll help you. Yeah, I'm bored anyway. Yeah, so he and Namil's friend are in the back seat when Namil drives them making Molotov cocktails out of soju bottles, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so they're heading there, and even though the creature didn't kill them, Sijo is very sick. And Hyunsu is afraid that he will die. Because he's, like, bleeding out of his ears, and he's got a really bad fever. Which is weird, because in the American edit, it says, I'm burning up. But, like, usually if you have a fever, you feel like you're cold. So I feel like that was mistranslated. And she almost does actually, so she's, like, she's, like, determined to go get help. So she ties the rope, and she's about to get it. And she, she uses, like, she jumps off the creature because she thinks it's sleeping, and she throws a beer can out a couple times and it doesn't wake up. And she's like, okay. And she gets there and she's about to keep climbing and she realizes the creature has stopped her. And it yeah. it's so weird because it gently sets her down. And so at first yeah. I was like, oh, maybe that means that it doesn't want to kill her. But then when she runs to get Soju and run away, it attacks them. Yeah. And we're not quite sure what happens until the next time we see her. But Gangdu makes it to the lair, but now it's empty. But he sees her jacket and he knows that she was there. And Namju wakes up and is like, gets her her bow and arrows and runs into Gangzu. And they're heading towards the riverfront. So we have all three of them running towards the riverfront. And they see the creature. And you can see one of their arms in its mouth. So they're like, oh, they might still be alive. Okay, let's keep going there. So then we move to the waterfront, which is interesting. Because there's protesters that are protesting the Agent Yellow there, but they start to run away when they, yeah. And they also have Gangdu's face on their t-shirts, a couple of them. Yeah, they do, yeah. like, free Gangdu. I was like, hell yeah, free him. Yeah. They do run away when they notice the monster coming towards the edge, though. And so, you know, the three siblings have been reunited, but Gangdu jumps into the river and swims to the shore because, of course, he's trying to get to his daughter the fastest. And the monster, yeah. they basically pelt the monster. They release, like, an Agent Yellow bomb on top of it. And so the monster is kind of yeah. wittering in pain. And Gangdu reaches in and he pulls out Hung Seo's lifeless body. Uh, and yes. she's still hanging on to Seju as mm-hmm. he pulls her out. So even, like, in death, like, she did her best to protect that little boy. Which I mm-hmm. think says a lot for her. I know. And this is the part where I start crying, usually when I yeah. watch it. I mean, now it's the fifth time I don't cry as much. But the first couple times I was like, no! Yeah. Because they, oh my god, they were so close to saving her. And it's so frustrating. And... It drives them all to kind of, like, work together and kind of, you know, man up, pussy up, whatever you want to say. 
and yeah. finish off that creature. And Gangdu takes a metal pole from a sign that he had tried to use something like that before and didn't break. But he breaks the concrete at the bottom of it. He's like, no, I'm going to stab this motherfucker. And Nam-il and his friends are drawing it out with Molotov cocktails. And one of them pours gasoline all over the creature who i think thinks it's water so looks up but name but uh name ill like misses one he drops the final one you're like oh no they've blundered it again but name Ju lights her arrow on fire yeah and, and knocks it dead center into the into steve's eyeball and he lights on fire and he heads towards the water before it can get to the water to not be on fire it's a great scene because he's running towards the water and you ha- you see it through the creature's eyes and then gangju just stabs it he impels it yeah it's great and i just... i love what i love about this scene is that so and i always wonder if it's like the animal lover in me but i do feel well, like a a tinge of pity but definitely. then and because you're just like well you know it's just wanting to survive like it's just like a creature and yeah it's killing humans and that's not right and they even make a comment earlier in the movie that Uh you know like the old people say a creature that kills a human should be torn limb from limb but still all it's trying to do is survive and when he stabs it he see there is a look of pity on his face because it is just an animal and it's like but it also was relentlessly killing people yeah it's kind of just but the whole thing is like it shouldn't have existed to begin with and yeah like don't pour chemicals in the water okay it's not fun but the good thing is that seiju is actually still alive and gangdu is like were you with hyunsu which is very sweet and you're and so he's still alive he picks him up and then we kind of get a happy ending yeah because like so it's like some months later it's like the winter time the food stand has been repaired the shop is decorated with family photos. There's even like like a special one of like um, Hyunsu and her grandfather. And then um, there's even their wanted poster, which is framed. But it's also the most visual thing is that Gangdu's hair is completely black yeah. too. Yeah, ever vigilant. He mm. now has no bleach blonde hair and he's much more cool headed, but he always keeps a rifle just in case a creature returns, yeah. which he doesn't. He thinks he sees something and he doesn't, but... He starts lovingly preparing a dinner for himself and Siju because he's adopted Siju. And the news starts to cover the virus issue, but they're like, ah, there's nothing good on. We should just shut it off so we can concentrate on eating. And they do. And it's really cute. It's cute. It's a cute ending. The second time I've watched this ending, I couldn't help but feel it really came full circle in that, like, you know... I'm so sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. So Gang Do, like, it mentions, his father mentions, Hebong mentions that, you know, he's like, he had to commit sorry because he was starving, essentially. And it's very interesting that at the end of the movie, he essentially adopts a little version of who he was when he was a child. But he's taking but he's taking care of him. So he's making sure that he's getting the nutrition and the love and care that he always wanted. Yeah. And also, like, it's just really cute. Because also, like, yeah, he lost Hyunsu, but because she saved Siju, they can save each other now, which is really beautiful. And, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of silliness in this movie, but there's a lot of heart. And I think that's why I like Bong Joon-ho, because, like, even the family in Parasite, even though they they were, you know, lying and things, but they, they really loved each other and cared about each other. And they they started out of desperation for their family. And I think he does show that he does 
understand the disparities between the rich and the poor, especially in South Korea, but all over the world and how not okay it is, you know? The only thing that does, like, I think it's like a little bit of a downer thing to think about. And I mean, this is not something that Bong Joon-ho confirmed, but it really felt like uh, Sun Hyo was like the glue that held the family together. And with her death, I wonder if like the family has been fragmented. And because literally we see him, so we see, but we see Gang Do carry him away. But they stay behind, Nanil and Namju stayed behind and hold her body after the carnage. So I've always, like, that's the only thing. And, like, I don't know, maybe it would have been too hokey to see the whole family, like, the four of them together at the end. Well, they have the pictures everywhere. And they're yeah. new pictures. So I got the feeling that because they all took responsibility and, you know, did actions, like, I feel like they're all able to stand on their own two feet. And yeah. that's, and like, Gang Dude wasn't able to. He still lived with his dad, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's more of like good independence and not bad independence. And just because you're independent doesn't mean you're not close with your family, you know? Yeah. You got to stand on your own two feet at some point. So it's actually a point of pride if you can stand on your own two feet, you know? Yeah. Without well, help, it- but still keep in touch with your family and love them. Well, just at, like, the beginning of the movie when they had the mock funeral scene, like, you know, hey Bong is like, you see, because of you, you're we're all together, we're all together. So yeah. it was, like, definitely that, like, the family was obviously not close for whatever reasons in their past. And so, like, I, I hate to say it, but, like, I wonder if this did finally bring them to close, like, closure and together or if it was just, like, something that, you know, just pushed them apart. Because even when, when Namil and Namjoon, you know, they get separated from their family, they split off in the sewers. They don't even stay together. True. And so, but they are, like you said, it could be just they're very, very independent. And I guess that's something that I'm curious about. Is it independent or is it just like there is something between them that's broken and you don't know if it'll ever be quite fixed? Maybe. That's definitely a pondering. Yeah. But I do like it that, you know, Gang Do definitely has a purpose in life. And I still am scratching my head if, like, the procedure somehow corrected him. I, I think bit. so. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it was a little bottomy so much as, like, I don't know. They just got the one piece of brain that had something stuck in it or something. Like, it was gunked up in there or something. I don't know. But I found it to be, like, I thought it was pretty funny timing. Or, again, like, maybe it was just him deciding to to be responsible which is nice pros and cons what's your other what's your pros if we haven't mentioned it already um so i would say my main pros is that i do like the whole monster movie and the semi-political background so i i do like that whole kind of genre of filmmaking i think it's done really really well here mm-hmm. i like there's like a bl- blending of genres so that's a monster movie but it's also a melodrama movie it's a slap comedy at points i would say also the dysfunctional family banding together all the characters in the family are really fleshed out i do like how they all have their very distinct personalities and there's their very there's scenes where they are very strong in their individual scenes. Um, so I did like all those things about it for sure. I agree. And I like that he also kind of, Bong Joon-ho can explore some hard truths mm-hmm. without giving us like false hope. Like, it, you know, I think it would have been too movie perfect if Hyun-soo had survived. But also, they do a nice little switcheroo when you think Siju is going to be the one that passed away because he's sick. But then, no, Hyun-soo died. And you're very sad, but I like the switcheroo. 
But I yeah. like that it's not sugar-coated, you know? It's more realistic, but there's enough humor that it kind of makes the realistic lens palatable. It's kind of like the ending of Parasite, where you're like, there's two endings you can believe. You can believe what probably is going to happen, or what the main character hopes will happen. I was going for the hopeful ending, but I understand that that's probably not what's going to happen. But it's kind of a nice little choice that you can make. And something he does really well. And I think this is one of the movies where he was starting to explore that. And I like that. It carries over. Now, what about cons? What do we not like? I would say my two main cons. And this is, so you already know that my whole stick on this is that anytime you have something heavily CGI in a movie, it's a gamble on how well it's going to hold up. And... I do like how well choreographed the monster is. I think we talked about in the beginning of the film. Like, you know, it's very believable, the monsters in the scenes. But the CGI, I think you said the word slick, maybe. And I'm like, it does look a little bit too slick. Yeah, Yeah. it just doesn't look like it's in the same world. If it was in an animated movie, it would look fantastic. Yeah, but it's not quite the rancor from Return of the Jedi where there's a black line around it and you're like, oh... That's where they cut that film onto film. Well, everyone, everyone knows me knows I'm a slut for practical effects. So, oh, yeah. I, know, I, know, so I, mean, I mean, are we not all practical effects sluts? Yes. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, so it's like, I, I mean, for its time, I'm, and I'm fortunate enough to get to see this movie the year it came out. I'm sure in 2006, this was blowing people's yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I think it's that it doesn't hold up now, but it does hold up. Okay, the only part that I really didn't like it was when it was actually dying. Like, there yeah. was some weird light thing that happened. Like, the lighting was weird, and it, like, went really, like, just bleh. And I was like, oh, that was kind of goofy. No, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And I think it's because Bong Joon-ho did take such care into the choreography of things yeah. that it is very, very smooth, even even if it looks like, oh, that looks a little weird. Yeah. Although it won awards for the, for the special effects, ironically. Yeah, which is really, really cool. And obviously there's a statue of the monster uh, near the Hong River. So <laughs> I like, want to go see that. That is, I, you know, I was reading an article about how a lot of, um, I guess, people were complaining about how too ugly and realistic it looks. So I thought that was hilarious that there was like complaints about yeah. the statue. Jeez. But the other con I have, which I think we've already discussed this too, is just that it's so long. Like, you know, and I can't necessarily say from an audience perspective what should have been cut because right. i do think every scene had value but like i said i might my, my ass just starts to hurt after the two hour mark i gotta stretch my legs a little <laughs> bit so but yeah i feel like it's a good movie especially like it's only his third movie i feel like it's a building block for parasite and other things oh yeah so you can see a lot I, of echoes in parasite to this movie i would agree with that did you have an out of 10 rating I did. So I gave this, I was wavering between a 7.5 and an 8, and I ended up going with an 8. I think it's a very strong film. I think it says something that this movie came out 16 years ago, Mm -hmm. and if really the only real bone I have to pick is the graphics, I think that says a lot for the movie. Yeah, I agree. I give it an 8 out of 10 as well, and it's mostly, I mean, I've watched it now five times. So, is it one I'm going to watch every year? No, but it's one that I like to introduce other people to. And I will say it's more fun to watch it with other people, for sure. But it's always a good movie, and it's an easy, easy to recommend one. 
you know, there's not a lot of, like, adult situations or, like, mature themes. So, like, if your mom likes, like, kind of spooky, but movies with heart, like, this is a good one to recommend. Because it's not overtly anything. It's just kind of fun and also a little sad, but it's good. I like it. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating, Britt? I did. I have two. So, I'm going to say my two. This one is my lesser favorite. Uh, So, my first rating was B. For bronze medals, beers, and blondes. But my favorite rating is M for Molotov Cocktails, Motherless Children, and Man-Made Monsters. Okay. I like that one. I feel like it might be a little long, but I like it. Yeah. I had Monsters, Mayhem, and Munchies. Ah. And then I had rated B for Banana Milk and Brain Surgery. Oh, you had a BM too. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I had a BM. <laughs> yeah. BM. <laughs> do you want to do nice. a, a a mixture for the M? I like the B's better, but that's because of like the banana milk. You like the B's milk. better? It's oh. banana milk. But it's okay. fine. If that one didn't stick out, what did you want to make the M into? I like, I if nothing else, I like the man-made monster or the motherless children of mine. Let's see. Munchies. Mayhem. And man-made monsters. I like that. Okay. Yeah. We got it! We did it! Sorry, that was very loud. We did it! Hooray! So next week we'll have what we're watching and movie news. We're going to call them sidetracks, I think, right? Yeah, that's what we were calling them before. Sidetracks! Because we get sidetracked. So we'll have sidetracks next week. But the week after we'll have a full-on movie. Yep. Do you have your pick ready, Brett? I actually do. So uh, there was a movie that just dropped. It's a it's a horror film. It is getting a lot of critical and commercial acclaim. It is one of Hulu's, I think it may be Hulu's biggest premiere, if not one of its biggest premieres, but it is Prey. Oh, yay! I yes. was literally about to turn that on yesterday. <laughs> and yeah, so it is sitting at a pretty impressive 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is incredible. It is considered the Predator prequel. I'll be honest, I saw the first Predator year so many years ago, I only remember parts of it. So I'm excited about this one because it takes place, um, the main character is a Native American woman, which seems fierce as fuck. And um, there's a dog. Yes, and uh, I did just see Prey becomes Hulu's all-time number one premiere, so it is Hulu's biggest premiere. Also, ever had. the dog was adopted for the movie. Yes, I did see that, which is so sweet. With that, I think it's time to log off, dear friends, yes. to yes. say good good day, good night, good morning, whatever time it is that you are listening, and thank you for listening. We love you guys so so much. We do. I hope you guys have a much wonder a much anticipated and much deserved fun fun week um until we see you next time wash your hands take your vitamins take care of one another be safe and yeah thank you for listening and we love y'all so much so i guess i'll say my goodbyes too guys we're still in alabama at least the hottest month of the year sometimes i walk outside and i feel like i just have like a sweat cloud just come over me because the humidity is so god awful um so still you know i know katie is an avid wearing of sunscreen every day if you don't wear your sunscreen every day you really need to be wearing it this time of year just saying please just do it just leave it just make it part of your skincare routine that's what i do now 
Yes, and stay hydrated. It gets very, very hot. Keep those puppies inside because it's too hot in the middle of the day for their little paws to be on the concrete and blacktop. And of course, just, you know, um, do something nice for yourselves today. Stay hydrated. Drink some water. This is your reminder. And take care of yourselves and each other. We love you very much. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spooky time, same spooky channel. Yes, stay spooky, spooky y'all. y'all. Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.